ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Hey, man. If I can do it, you can do it too. And how can I help you do this? Don't settle. Ever. Don't settle. Just go full send. His battle, our fight. And it's, you know, a goal, an achievable goal, and maybe even a high, high, high-level goal you may never hit. Well, it's, it's a wonderful way for us to make each other stronger. I, I feel like that my strength comes from him, and so I try to give all my stuff, you know, to him. You know, take down those barriers um, and those false beliefs that they can do it. Put yourself in uncomfortable positions because it's going to happen. And the sooner you can get comfortable being uncomfortable, the better you're going to be. In this moment, you can decide to take hold, move forward and go head on, up, over and through. It's do or do not. Through these stories and perspectives, we hope to give insight to the challenges we all face every day. Paying it forward through learned experience. Because quitting is too hard. For those who refuse to give up and continue to find a way, this is your fuel. Brought to you by Western Contours Podcast and our partners. Western Fly Covers. Ultralight protection for your gear. Stay on your game. Backcountry Archery. The passion and intent of ethical hunting led to the pursuit of building the most lethal bow setups while increasing accuracy. The Crazy Elk Company. Simple solutions in gear, giving back to the passion that has given so much. My name is Joe Gillia, and I want to do for you what someone once did for me, my gift. You see, you, me, our neighbors, the teller at the bank, the kid taking our money at McDonald's, those people driving in their cars, each of us all wrapped up in our own little worlds, each and every one of us. All of us have a story. Each of our stories with our own set of challenges, our victories, our losses, those are the things that 
make us who we are today. And for every story that we have, there are so, so many incredible, unbelievable, and heroic stories about people overcoming and surviving those insurmountable odds or turning what some people would call a disability into a gift or an opportunity to prove that the only limits we have in this world are the ones we allow to exist. Look, you have a story. And really, the importance of all these stories, it's not really about who had it the hardest or whether my pain was greater or worse than yours. Look, pain is pain. Suffering is suffering. The importance is in the dealing. The power of the example that shows us the possibilities, the inspiration that can be worn as each and every one of us as our badge of courage to face our own difficulties, whatever they will be. I, I learned that this is a fact. Life is 10% what happens to us and 90% about how we deal with it. That was something that I learned at a very young age. You see, I am what I consider one of the luckiest and most blessed men in the world. And I can tell you this. It all had to do with one gift, two important realizations, and heroes. Everything, and I mean everything I have in my life, the love of my life, Loretta, my daughters, my sons, my incredible granddaughter. Hey, <laughs> she just turned in six months. And my family, the incredible friends I have, my brothers from other mothers, more soul-fulfilling memories and adventures that any one man should ever have. And my incredible passion for the outdoors. All of this, all of this I attribute to one gift, two important realizations, and heroes. I was 13 when my father died. And that was when I first understood the first of those two realizations. It was the worst day in my life. I mean... (laughs) My my whole world had been torn apart. And here I was, 13 years old. I'm in this fancy car. I'm all dressed up. This is probably why I don't like to get dressed up and why I never wanted fancy things. But here I am in this. And as I'm going to my dad's funeral, I look out and... To me, at that age, with this day being what it was and how destroyed I was inside, it was like, in my mind, the whole world should have stopped right then and there. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) how can anything be happening after my father had died? And yet, when I'm in this vehicle and I'm driving, I look out the window. And as I look out the window and we're going through the city, I look out and there's kids riding their bikes and there's parents with their children and people are laughing, people are playing. Uh, 
the world was still going. The world did not stop. And that's when I first understood at that point that feeling sorry for myself, being angry, being depressed, it was in that moment, y'all, that I realized that in this biggest picture that the only thing all of those, the anger, the depression, the only thing, the only person that that was going to hurt, the only people that felt that besides my close-knit family right around me, the only thing it was going to do was to hurt me because the world was going to continue on with or without me. I mean, this is this is like an epiphany at age 13, right? And uh, I mean... That moment was a defining moment for me. And and look, as sad and as horrible and as terrible as that was, it was a defining moment that truly really was a gift because it taught me that I couldn't go around feeling sorry for myself, that I couldn't throw myself a pity party. It It's that I had to raise myself up because I was who I had in this world. Now, at that time, that's how I saw this. Well, what about the gift? So let me tell you about the gift. I really didn't get to know my dad that well. I was 13. And at 13, dad is dad. And gosh, my dad was 36 when he passed. Yep, 36. And at 36, you know, it's so funny when you're a kid, you look at 36 and you think, oh my God, how old are they, you know, right? But let me tell you what the gift was, was throughout my life, my dad, there was not a day that went by that I did not hear from him where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, no matter what it was, I could be doing something and I want to get something accomplished and I'd complain about it. And that was, that's what he would tell me each and every time. If there's a will, there's a way. Find it. You can do it. I mean, there was no enabling in that. And and I tell you, at, at the time when you're a kid, you kind of get frustrated. You throw your little pity parties again. You get all upset. But man, he really made me believe that. My dad taught me to believe that there was not anything that I couldn't accomplish. I just had to find a way. And let me tell you what, whether it was catching a fish without a hook (laughs) and then beating the charges because the sign said no fishing with a hook, (laughs) riding a unicycle, going to college when I had no idea, really had no money, uh, came from backwoods, podunk, North Carolina. None of my family had ever gone to college, but I did it putting food on the table with my bow because I had convinced a beautiful woman that I was a catch. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I still I still don't believe that ever happened. Building my home. Convincing kids from a small village in New Mexico that they could whoop any school in the state. And let me tell you what, they daggum sure did. Man, I tell you... Um, 
My dad gave me a gift of belief. He gave me a gift of strength. He gave me a gift of inner strength. He gave me the word can't was something that just wasn't in his vocabulary. And that was something that I tried to teach others around me. I, I, I taught kids and coached kids. I coached for 34 years. I'm a retired school teacher now of, of 30 years. My wife is a retired special education teacher. And sports was something that was very, very special in my life. And in fact, my second realization that I carried through life actually came from playing sports because it was my coaches that had taught me to see the whole picture when it came to a game, when it came to a season, when it came to my high school career. They had taught me that success wasn't about just the final outcome, that success was about the journey along the way. And that that journey, whether it's a game, whether it's a season, or yes, for you guys listening, whether it's an elk hunt out west, whatever it is in life, that life is about peaks and valleys. There are going to be those high points. There's going to be those ultimates up there, and there are going to be the lows. And what defines us, what proves our character is how well we can overcome those difficulties and understand that we don't have to stay in those valleys, that we can climb up, that we can go forward to the next peak. And that's what shows our character is is that willingness to see and understand that and to climb out of those things that want to pull us down. We can do it. Life is about peaks and valleys. Where there is a will, there is a way. You just have to believe. You just have to have some want to. And our measure is about how well we weather those. And you continue to climb. And so that brings me now to my heroes. Y'all, I had two heroes in my life. The first was John Wayne because, well, (laughs) he was John Wayne right? (laughs) Who did not love the Duke? And as a kid watching those movies, you know, I, I, it just, it just spoke to you. You know, the, the, the person that was, uh, the strong at that time, you know, he, he he was always going to overcome. He just stood up for what was right. You know, you just, everybody wanted to be that cowboy, wanted to be that soldier, uh, you, you just felt that all through you. And I, I know I did as a young guy. But my second hero, my second hero, he wasn't an actor playing a role. And I can tell you that he's the greatest man I've ever known. He taught me what it truly means to have courage, how to make a difference. He taught me about honor, tradition, dignity. He taught me about how to believe in myself and those around me. I'm only going to tell you these things because he never would. As incredibly competitive as this guy is, he is the most humble person that I've ever met in my life. And, you know, um, I met him when I first started to date my wife because he became my brother-in-law. 
His name is Leroy Chavez. Leroy Guadalupe Chavez, as a matter of fact. And to us in the family, to friends, we call him Chav. And Chav was this quiet, humble kid from Las Vegas, New Mexico, that has always defied the odds. Probably in high school, probably about 130 pounds soaking wet. And to understand this story, you need to understand a little bit about this guy. So he graduates in 1970. And in 1970, as a high school senior, he was a class 3A cross-country state champion. And in those days, the cross-country race in high school in 1970 was a two-mile race. Today, it's a three-mile race. In college, it's a five-mile race. Well, there was a coach at a university here in New Mexico, Eastern New Mexico University. His His name was Coach Silverberg. And Coach Silverberg had come up with this brilliant idea that he was going to go and recruit all of the state champions in all classes in New Mexico to create his cross-country team. So not only that, this was the time when colleges were first allowed to recruit world-class international talent. I mean, we're talking about people from Kenya, England, Australia, New Zealand, all over the world, world-class athletes. And so he pulls in all of this talent. And what I want you to understand is that in 1969, when Chav won his race there, it was a two-mile race. Now he had to make the jump from a two-mile race to a collegiate five-mile race. He had to race basically twice as far. And when he was, when he, he was a state champion in New Mexico, he was the slowest of the three classes. So that meant that the other state champions recruited were kids that he had never even come close to in head-to-head races. In fact, you talk about Chav. I, I used to ask him about all these different athletes, about this guy and that guy and stuff. And he says, well, I knew what they look like from the back. <laughs> so I mean, it was, we had the standing joke about that. There was no way, man, if this guy had not been able to stay close to the New Mexico kids, how in the heck was he going to stay with Olympic world-class athletes on his team? And you might not understand this, but this is the time of Prefontaine. And if you don't, if that name doesn't ring a bell, it was Prefontaine's coach that created a shoe that became a brand that we know today as Nike. Prefontaine was one of the most incredible runners of his day that unfortunately was killed before the rest of the story could be told. But he was running for Oregon at the time. And on this team that was with Chav, he had athletes like Kenyan Mike Boyd, who had placed in the Olympics, uh, Philip Nadu, Nodu, I'm sorry, Philip Nadu, and New Zealander Rex Matterford. Rex Matterford was running four minutes miles before he ever even sub fours. Let's see, the yeah, four minute miles bef- when before he even came to Eastern. 
Rex was a phenomenal athlete. So I, a lot of kids, if they were put in, and remember, this is a, an 18-year-old kid coming out of this small school, put in this situation, would have just faded away, quit and moved on, gone back home to little Las Vegas, New Mexico. But that was not Leroy Chavez. And this guy was the perfect example of why races aren't won on paper. And today, he's even more of an example. For four years, Chav hung with and raced against the very best cross-country runners in the nation. Their team had beaten all the top Division One colleges in the nation, except for one that they didn't get to run against, and that was Oregon. But they beat the school that beat Oregon with a Prefontaine-led team that year. With a team roster of some of the most incredible Olympic athletes, Chav continued to make the top seven on his team and qualify for the nationals. He ran in not one, not two, not three, but he ran in four consecutive NAIA national championships. He helped his teams to a third place, a second, a fourth place finish at nationals his first three years, and then in 1973, the national championship. So where does the story go from here? So this is where I want you to understand that this is a guy that made a living at running long distances. Last year in October, October 9th, I drove Chav to Eastern New Mexico University for him to be inducted into Eastern New Mexico's Hall of Fame. The September before Chav was inducted, we were um, the Elk Bros. Uh, we were hunting elk up here in northern New Mexico, and uh, something had happened, and Chav was struggling for some reason. I mean, he hunted the hunt uh, as as much as he could, but there was something going on. So. We had brought Chav down to the hospital, um, ended up bringing him back up to the mountains after the the doctor had seen him, but something just wasn't right. Uh, after we got done with the hunt and we came down, uh, Chav went to the emergency room and after a lot of things that happened, basically long story short, was given a CT scan and it was determined that he had cancer. Um, at that point in time, everybody, you know, we figured, well, you know, we caught it early. The doctor felt like they had caught it early. It was in the early stages. And so the sooner that we could get him into, an, you know, see an oncologist and get him to, uh, into treatment that, you know, it, it wasn't a death sentence. So, um, we attempted to do that. This is September, uh, late September, uh, about the 26th, 27th of September. And um, we, for some reason, you know, guys, just because they say you need to see the doctor doesn't mean that you can. 
and we tried and tried to get him to see an oncologist and Chad was starting to degrade and by the time I took him to get the you know to go to the Hall of Fame to receive his uh, award at Eastern, he was already having issues just trying to walk. He had gone from walking normally to going to a cane. And uh, we couldn't get an appointment for him until I uh, ended up going through a whole bunch of stuff. And again, at the end of the day, we finally um, had an appointment for him to go see a, a cancer center oncologist in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, and they were going to do some tests and then have that looked at on uh, in October. In fact, it was October 31st. My wife and I were here at home and getting candy ready for uh, Halloween when we receive a phone call from my sister-in-law. And that was when uh, our life got turned upside down. And I want you to remember that uh, I told you before, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we deal with it. My sister-in-law calls us on Halloween night only to find out and to tell us that Chad's results had come in and he had stage four cancer and that uh, it had, uh, it was in his hips, it was uh, in his spine, it was in his chest, it was uh, in four major places in his body and that uh, he was being admitted to the hospital with stage four. Our, our lives, guys, uh, was rocked. And, you know, I, I don't want to go through everything that, that happened at, at this point in time because the whole purpose of this is that I want to give you a gift and I want to tell you about this hero and I want to tell you about this story because, like I told you, it's not suffering is suffering, pain is pain. And no one person's suffering is more than another's. That the important part of this is the power of the example that shows us the possibilities. The importance is in the dealing. And Chav is this incredible cross-country runner who has been hunting the mountains of New Mexico with me for 38 seasons, up and down. And uh, I, I didn't tell you, but at this point in time, you know, Chav is uh, 68 years old. He's 10 years my senior. But I tell you what, man, uh, you talk to some of the fellas that hunt with me. You just talk to old Big O. You talk to Venezuelan Mafia about Chav, and uh, you'll find out that that fella, uh, he's not 68 when it comes to the mountains. Nope. I I never at any time ever worried about how high, how hard, or where I went because Chav was right there with me. And this same guy now uh, in the hospital is admitted on Halloween. By November 4th, he no longer can use his legs. Long story short, he we find out that... Um, that he has tumors all along his spine from the bottom all the way going up. And we find out that he has an impingement and basically the impingement on his spine has basically paralyzed him. And he can no longer use his legs. 
he can no longer control his his bowels or anything so he couldn't get up to go to the bathroom himself and you know for for chav and for us as family um this was an incredibly hard time and uh I, I don't know if you've ever thought about being in the situation where all your dignity is lost. I mean, where people have to clean you, people have to change you, people have to make decisions for you. Because there was a point in time where where Chav, um, his he couldn't even think because of the drugs and stuff that that they had him on. <laughs> he was. Oh, the dude was seeing purple horses and people coming through windows that weren't there. And, uh, we, him and I kind of laugh about it now, you know, uh, uh, because we can, that's the, the incredible part of the story is, uh, they started hitting Chav and, and there, there were twice, there were twice, two times that Chav said his goodbyes to his wife and his daughter, Lene, because, he had um, basically gone septic from, you know, being through these treatments and having lost, um, you know, n- not having this in, in his system to fight infection. And uh, there was twice that, that we thought that we were going to lose him. And, and you're going to have to excuse me because this is, this is real tough stuff for me to talk about. Um, and, and I, and I don't want it to, <clears throat> I don't want to, I don't want it to break me down because I, 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 I tell you what, uh, just like, just like that time that happened with my dad, I asked myself several times, I asked myself why a person like Leroy Chavez, why him? This is one of the most incredible human beings I've ever met in my life. This is the most uh, unselfish, humble, hardworking, caring, honorable person I've ever met. And I didn't understand why him. And, you know, we all get, we go through that. We go through the anger and, and stuff like that. And we ask ourselves all these questions. And I found out that, you know, uh, this was part of Chav's journey, but I think even more so it was part of our journey as a family. It was part of my journey as a person. It, it made me look at things. It made me uh, get in touch with parts of myself that I never did. And out of this darkness came a light. And, and I want you to know that uh, this was Halloween of 2019. By November, he could co- no longer walk. He went through chemo treatments. He went through radiation treatments. And uh, we tried to... Uh, we tried to put Chav into a rehab center uh, during his treatments, but when he was in there, they just were not facilitated to deal with what happened with the infections, and he'd find himself in an emergency room and fighting for his life. He went from 140-some pounds to 103 pounds. He looked like a... He looked like a concentration camp person. Man, somebody had been starved to death. And, I mean, it, it was real scary at the time. But Chav never, ever quit. And 
his daughter was engaged to be married. And when Chav got the cancer, my promise, the one thing in my mind that I wanted Chav to be able to do was to be able to, first of all, see his daughter walk down the aisle. And second of all, be able to walk her himself. When he was um, in physical therapy, this is a guy that had and still was running mile after mile daily. And he could not, couldn't move his toes at first. And then it went from being able to move his toes to trying to, trying. I mean, it took everything in his body to reach out, to try to lift his knee enough to reach out, set his foot on a towel out in front of him as he sat in a wheelchair and pull that towel back to him. That was his new struggle. But let me tell you what, every day he faced that because he understood this guy is the grinder in the purest sense. He understands work and his his will, his competitiveness inside him. If you could just see this, if you could have just been present to watch this, let me tell you, it was so much inspiration. It was um, such a testament to human will. So you know that October of 2019, Chav was paralyzed. In order for him to be able to train, he was discharged, and they at one point he was released to go home, and they he couldn't get PT in in this great facility that had all this equipment, had all this people to help him, and Chav and I are coaches, and and I was like, look, man. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't matter. We're going to get this done. We're going to make this habit happen. And I called the elk bros. I called some hunting buddies of mine. And we took a look at the equipment that they had there. And Chow was moved into his daughter's house in Albuquerque. Uh, friends, family, people pitched in. We bought equipment. We facilitated that house like a little uh, therapy gym that had parallel bars, had all this different stuff. And that became his his focus day after day, getting trying to get out of that bed, rolling him in a wheelchair, trying to get him to first of all just push himself and stand up. This was his battle. And I want you to know, October 10th, in our yard, during COVID, in a small family gathering, In my backyard, Leroy G. Leroy Guadalupe Chavez walked his daughter, Lene Chavez, down the aisle to be married. (laughs) Y'all, there are not words. There are not words. I tell you this story because when I asked Chav what his 
goal was. He's an incredible uh, fan of the Lobos. He wanted to be able to go to see a Lobo game. That was a goal. He wanted to get back up into the mountains. Well, if you watch um, our video, our Elk Bros video, and I named it Blue Collar Strong to honor Chav. And if you watch that, he couldn't go up to hunt with it with us. But that last night at Elk Camp, Chav was there. Our circle was completed. He had overcome. He's still overcoming. He's still fighting. There are still his peaks and valleys. But every day, every morning, he gets up. And y'all, he goes to those parallel bars that we have moved now into his house in Cimarron, New Mexico. And he is walking now around his house without a walker, without a cane. He is walking, still trying to work on that, trying to get to where he can go from a walk to something a little bit more. And just last week, for the first time in a year, he drove his vehicle. The first time in a year, because he hadn't been able to feel pressure on the bottom of his foot. These are... To me, these are just, you know, it's kind of like when you when you tell people, you know, about your grandkids, you know, about, oh, yeah, my grandkids started walking. Oh, yeah, my grandkids stood up and fell on her butt. Oh, my grandkid took the first steps, you know. It, 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 he went from being that child to being this incredible athlete to being that child trying to learn how to do it all over again. Those seven foot of parallel bars being more than the 26 mile marathon, I'm sorry, 23 mile marathon that he ran. You know, it, 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 it was and is such an inspiration in my life. I know for a fact, if there is a will, there is a way. Because I see it in that man. I see it in my hero. And so I want you to understand that the gift that I give to you out of all of this is that where there is a will, there is a way. No matter how dark it gets, there is a reason for everything. And when it gets the hardest, when you think that you're not able to do, be willing to hold your hand out and let somebody help. Be willing to understand that your current situation is not what it has to be, that it is going to get better, and it will get better if you believe it's going to get better. Understand that you have the ability, you have the power, you have the strength to do anything that you put your mind to, and that there are going to be those hard things, but I truly believe that there's a reason for everything. And out of everything dark, something powerful and positive comes out of it. Y'all, you are a story. 
Each one of us is a story. And I hope and pray that your challenges become your victories. I hope that your losses don't define you and keep you down. I hope that you realize that you are powerful and that you are something special in this life. And I hope that you know that you are really the luckiest and most blessed person in the world. That is my wish. Thanks for listening. See you on the mountain. Peace, peace. Peace.